Hi, welcome to the Happy in Medicine podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christina Arnold. I'm an expert certified coach and a physician mom. I help women physicians go from burnout to happy in medicine. Let's get started. Today we talk our very first most valuable played episode or MVP. For those of you who are new to the Happy Medicine podcast, you might not know there was a podcast that preceded Happy in Medicine. It was called Your Path and Focus. At the time you're hearing this podcast, the Your Path and Focus podcast, the prior podcast has been entirely taken down off the public facing website. Do not worry. For those of you who loved that podcast, we saved all 133 plus episodes in my member portal. So once you become a client, you have 24 seven on-demand access to all of them. But if you're not a client, you might be like, Ooh, what am I missing? So I want to let you know, some of the listeners have requested a few of these classic, your path and focus podcasts to be brought to the new website. They were just so valuable to them. They have asked, can we please make this free and publicly available to everyone? Of course, we're going to do this. So every once in a while, like every, I don't know, 10, 20, 30, 40 episodes, I will put in a most valuable podcast episode, an MVP episode. And you'll now know what it is. It's just going to be this reference to this older podcast or classic, really powerful episode. The episodes I bring to you will be the most listened to podcasts. They had something just crucial that resonated with a lot of people or the most downloaded podcast. We want to make sure that the tools that are really, really high yield are available to everyone for free for the end of time. So that's what you get in an MVP episode. Today, we're starting with our first MVP. This is actually the most requested podcast topic ever. I had no plans to write it, but I had so many people reach out and say, I'm really struggling with grief. Can you help me with coaching tools through grief? I'm in real acute crisis here. Can you help me through it? Or can you give me some coaching tips for it? And so this first podcast, even though I had no intention to write it, it was like by demand of hundreds, thousands of people. It's an episode on how to have a beautiful relationship with grief. And you might be saying, how does this even jive with happy in medicine? So I want to spend a minute to just explain that if you can't be with grief, if you can't be with negative emotions, you will block yourself from intensely positive emotions as well. If you can't be with grief, you're going to have a hard time generating really high level love, joy, happiness, and peace. Because emotions, as I teach in my program, are on a spectrum. And what I find is a lot of people, they're like, I don't want to feel any negative emotions. So they stay right in the middle, right in the middle of the spectrum, right in neutral, really locked and rigid and like clinging on with white knuckles. We don't want to have a lot of negative feelings. And they don't realize when they don't allow themselves to have a lot of negative feelings. They also block them from the positive ones. The only way you can be really, really happy in medicine is if you allow yourself to grieve, really yourself to you expose yourself, you allow yourself to process really, really intensely uncomfortable feelings. Your capacity to create happiness depends on your capacity to be with grief. It's actually essential to happiness. It's not an option. You can't bypass it. It's essential. 
what's really interesting is we're not really taught how to deal with grief at all in med school, even though our jobs are to save lives. And sometimes their, their lives cannot be saved, right? We are not really taught how to take care of ourselves and others when we're in intense grief. So most humans on the planet have no tools for grief. And yet we're surrounded by loss all the time, especially if you work in a hospital. So knowing how to be with your grief is absolutely essential and it can be totally beautiful. That's what you're going to learn in this episode. It's not this scary thing that makes you want to vomit. It's not this thing that will swallow you up whole and you'll never be the same again. It's the most beautiful feeling the way I teach it. So I want you to just give yourself a chance, even if you're not actively grieving right now, just to give yourself a chance to connect with yourself in a way you probably have never connected with yourself. Just listen, hear it out. Now, a lot of people come to this episode also because they're like, my partner just lost his parent. There was someone at school who had an untimely death. And they're like, how do I help my lab mates, my partner, my family, my classmates? So come back to this episode. If you're struggling with how to help your loved one or contact or colleague through grief, you can either send them this episode or you can re-listen to it because in this episode, I'm going to teach you how to help other people deal with grief too. I think a lot of people, my experience is a lot of people in medicine you know, we're, we're all having a very high pressure job and tears are kind of a natural part of that at times when the pressure is really high. And most people have no idea how to handle when someone cries in front of them. Most people get really weird, right? They become total weirdos when someone cries in front of them or when their sister starts crying or when their wife starts crying. So this episode will also show you what to do, how not to be a weirdo when someone you love or care about is crying in front of you. You'll know how to take care of that. But I also want to say that grief is not just for the extremes of life circumstances of life or death issues. Grief happens any time you grow. So for example, when you leave this job for the next one, you're going to grieve this job. As you leave your partnership with someone you've been in love with for 10 years, you will grieve that relationship. As you grow and evolve your tools and how you deal with the world, you will grieve your former self. You absolutely have to. It's essential to growth. It helps you honor who you were to make space for who you are becoming. Like clears the deck. It helps you love your beloved former self and then make space for what's new. You can't create if you don't know how to grieve. So grief is absolutely essential for growth, essential for happiness. It allows you to honor what was to create space for what is to become. It's actually exquisitely beautiful how I lay it out. You have to know how to be with it. And that's what you're going to learn in this episode. You're going to learn the simplest way to be with grief, how to help your loved ones when they're grieving. How not to be a weirdo when someone cries in your office and a million other things with so much love and light. Here is your very first MVP episode. As I've experienced it, when you grow and evolve, you've maybe you have decided to enroll in coaching or you decided to take an online course. And as you grow and evolve, the natural way of it is that as you become this other thing, you let go of what your former thing was. 
As you become this new person, you let go of this identity you once had. And as a human, sometimes letting go, if even our, our identity from before can bring up some grief and some stress and some fear. So grieving will happen as you grow and you can look at it in a way you can redefine grief as this is something that not only shows me who I love, but it shows me that I'm growing. If you're able to embrace that feeling of fear and allow it to bring you closer to yourself, reveal your values, help build this next version within mind of what you value, grief can be a really beautiful thing and it will expand your capacity to grow. We don't do grief well. I will just say if you're in anywhere in the world, you anywhere in the world, zip code, whatever, you're probably not super familiar with this feeling or how to take care of it because we don't do a great job of teaching others about it. I don't know about you, but when I grieved, I remember loved ones saying, would you just stop, you know, don't, don't worry. Don't cry. You'll find someone else. They'll be the other. They're more efficient to see they're in a better place, right? These kinds of thoughts that are offered to us sometimes can make us feel like we're doing grieving wrong. Like the grief is a bad thing. So if you've had that experience, like I have, you might be very unfamiliar with this feeling of grief. There's nothing wrong with you. This is just how the world is. Grief is an uncomfortable emotion. It can feel very uncomfortable. And so most humans who are outside of coaching don't want to feel it and will do everything they can to resist it. Telling their loved ones who are grieving, please stop crying because they're uncomfortable. So we're going to start off <clears throat> a lot of what I'm going to share with you. I've learned from Krista St. Germain. She is a certified master coach. And one of the areas she coaches on is grief. Her podcast is the widowed mom podcast. So go and check it out. It's her dialoguing with widowed mothers, but I think so much of it can be applied to anyone who has grief no matter what your walk in life. And she is such a brilliant woman and coach. And so if you're interested in doing more work like this, definitely check her out and see what she has available for coaching. And a lot of what I'm saying, I've learned from her. All right. And a lot of it, I, I've, a lot of this, what I'm going to share with you is also what I, my take on grief. So one of the most common questions I've received recently is around the concept of grief. And the question of, I don't understand why this happened. And if you have that question when you're grieving, one place to go with that is that, of course, your brain wants an explanation, right? Brains, human brains always want to make everything make sense. It's always trying to figure out what happened so that we don't, this doesn't happen again. So that we know we want all the questions. We don't want any questions. We want all the answers. We want security. And, and sometimes you're just never going to have that answer. You won't be able to have all the information and what you do in this place is just make that. Okay. I actually don't have to know why I'll, I would never know why it's not possible to know why I don't have to know why I might know why. And eventually I could also make up what I think is going on. We just kind of remove that pressure from ourselves to have to know all the whys because sometimes you won't, and then it's going to spin you in a lot of uncertainty. It's actually okay not to know why. It can be beautiful to not, not to know why. Oftentimes we ask ourselves the question of what happened 
because we're trying to blame someone or something because we found the event to be an event that we just, we, it's a real problem for us. And so some of the work in coaching is to be like, what if this wasn't a problem though? What if this was always supposed to happen? Humans never come to the world to live forever. I know we'd love that to happen or we have an age like 88 and it's an okay time, but you all come to the world with an expiration date. And so we all know the part of coming into the world is also, we're going to leave this world, how that happens. Most of us aren't going to know, and maybe it's not our place to know. So we can kind of relieve ourselves of some of the burden is to allow it not to make sense. Just be like, okay, everyone has a passing. I wish it all happened in a certain way. My manual for everyone is that we all die in our sleep in a painless process when we're 88, but that's probably not going to happen for all of us. And what if I can just make space for, I'm not going to understand the why. There's no way for me to understand the why I actually don't have to understand the why is some areas that we would work on in coaching. Like what else is possible here for you? Another common question I get in coaching around grief is I don't think I'm sad enough. I think I'm too sad. There's a lot of judgments on how we're processing fear or how we're processing grief. And what I would offer you is that there's just no wrong way to do it. Sometimes your brain will have a lot of comments on what you're going through and you can just note it and observe it and just let it be. There's no wrong way to do grief. Our brains have manuals for us on like how we should be grieving. We should be grieving a lot at the beginning and then it should tailor off every day. It should get half better every single day. It makes no sense where our grieving process is going to be one that you're not going to be able to control it like the water in a tap. It's going to come and it's going to go and all of it is okay. There is no wrong way to do grief. When we judge our grief, we create more pain for ourselves. What if the exact way you're feeling right now is the exact way you should be feeling? It's totally perfect. It's the exact amount of grief you should have. You can't possibly do grief wrong. Notice when you're telling yourself, I should be sad or I'm not sad enough. Those shoulds and enough statements just reveal your rules about this. And they're going to be very painful. So you can drop the, the resistance to it. I am as, I have as much grief as I should have for right now. Just trust yourself in knowing that the exact amount of grief you have is the exact amount of grief you should have. How do we know? Because that's the amount of grief you have. Some days it's going to be a lot. Some days it's not going to be a lot. It doesn't have to mean anything other than you're a human. When you have too much grief, it doesn't mean you're weak. When you have no grief, it doesn't mean you've forgotten the person. It's the exact amount of grief you need for that moment. Which brings us to another point, a common, a common sense I get is I'm afraid of experiencing grief because I'm afraid I'll never come out of it. And my advice there is to look back at your life. Have you ever had a time in your life where you had one feeling nonstop for years on end? Never, never has that happened. I've never met anyone who's like, I had peace for eight years in a row, every minute. And that's because it's just not the way the human experience humans experience. It's like a bit of a roller coaster. It's like a jungle scape. There's all a jungle gym. There's stuff everywhere. You'll have all sorts of feelings. Even for the person you love the most in the entire world, you will grieve that person. And then sometimes you're going to be like, I'm hungry. I need a hamburger. Or now I need to take a shower because my hair is smelling or what is on Netflix. And all of it is okay. 
I promise you there's not one feeling that will last forever. I know I sometimes feel like it's going to consume me. I'll never come out. I'm always wrong. And when I drop resistance to that feeling and just open up to it, I actually feel so much better on the other side. If you're worried about a feeling overcoming you, I also want to say with grief, especially that seeking out professional care is always, always a great idea in terms of having a guide walk you through it because we're not so great about dealing with grief. <clears throat> so that might mean a therapist, a psychiatrist, a religious counselor, of a um, someone at your work, your friends, a coach, but enlisting as much mental support as possible is always a great idea when it comes to grief. Another common thought that I hear around grief is, but when is life gonna get back to normal already? I just, you know, I'm thinking about it all the time. I just, I need to, I need to be able to sleep better. I need to go back to focusing at work. That question, when will this get back to normal? Is your brain trying to rush you away from the feelings you have? It senses your feelings are distressing. And so it's like, let's just move on. That's not going to deal with the grief. It just will park it for a moment, but it'll still be there. And it's rushing you away from the work you need to do right now. If grief is a feeling you have, grief is a feeling that needs to be processed right now. Saying that you don't want to have it is going to be very painful and it's going to prevent you from growing. Grief can be a really beautiful thing. If you're able to open up to it and work through it, it can bring you to your highest evolution. The thought, when will life get back to normal is also an, a thought that's kind of sneaky, but what it's saying is that your feelings are a problem and that you shouldn't be where you are. You should be somewhere else. And a work that you'll do with coaching, something I, I teach everyone is that our feelings are not problems to be fixed. Our feelings are messengers from our highest self to help. And as we open up to them and we look to them as their helpers, they help us grow into the best version of ourselves. So the idea is to drop resistance. We have nowhere else we need to be. We just need to be right here with this feeling. There is no rush. This is normal. There's no going back to normal. We are always living in what is normal for us. Why I say that is because assuming that with the opposite is, is a very painful thought that this is not normal. This is not okay. This is a problem. And that kind of rushing will create so much more negative emotion. It's actually exactly what I'm supposed to be. There's no rush. I'm exactly what I'm doing. Exactly what I need to be doing. Related to the thought is another thought. I don't want life to ever go back to normal. There's a lot of resistance to any kind of movement. And this, this is a concept that I've been so much pain. I never want to leave this pain. This pain is kind of comforting. The pain reminds me of this acute relationship I've had. So a lot of my clients will often say, don't ever want to change from right now. And the first response I have is you never have to, right? You're always in control of your own growth. But that thought, I can never go back to normal. What does that feel like? For most people, it's like terror. Anything created out of terror is going to be exhausting and it's probably preventing you from some growth. It's for sure, for sure trying to protect you, but it's going to be a very expensive process in terms of like how much time and energy it costs. And it's resisting your own natural inclinations. So what if we just dropped all of that, like this is normal right now. This is exactly normal right now. This is what normal looks like for me. There's no wanting to stay right here go forward, go back. Like all of this, we can just start dropping the resistance and opening up to this is what is for right now. 
we're exactly where we need to be. Our feelings don't need to be solved, done with, put away. When we drop this resistance to what we're going through, we open up to who we are, where we're supposed to be. That's where we find ourselves is in that space of not resisting us. So be willing to let go of the resistance when you're ready. You don't have to. Having a guide, a therapist, psychiatrist, a coach can be really helpful with this part. There's never, ever, ever shame or any negative emotion around getting mental support there that is our mental health is the most important thing. That's my opinion. And so I enlist whoever I need to, to help me feel better, make sure I'm safe. And at various times in my life, that's been a psychiatrist. Sometimes it's a therapist. Sometimes it's someone from my religion always has been a coach as well. And all of them work together to help me really feel like I can be present in my life. Okay. Another common question I get about this is I just hate this feeling of grief. I can't do anything productive. It's just consuming me. So when you've ever had that thought, what I'd offer is grief is for sure. Normal. The only time it feels consuming is when we tend to resist it and tell ourselves we shouldn't have it or that we need to get through this. We just create more and more and more of it. It just expands. Just kind of bring it back to the thought humans have loss and we experience grief. Grief can actually be helpful. And in my coaching program, we'll explore that. Like, what does it feel like in your body? What is it trying to share with you? What does it need you to do to take care of it? As we take care of our grief, as we befriend it, as we bring it close, as we love on it, it brings us to ourselves. And that way it's a beautiful thing. It can be one of the biggest gifts ever if you're open to it. About this question, I just can't do anything productive. I guess where I would go with that in coaching is why do you need to be productive all of the time? And what if processing grief is the most productive thing you can do? Some people will say, well, I have this job. I have to focus. I have to, it's a very high intensity focused job. And I really need to get back to focusing so I can perform this job. And for that, I offer is you can do two things at once. You can hold on to this grief and focus at your job that you're telling yourself you can't grieve and be focused. You can't grieve and be professional. You can't grieve and be a high functioning doctor is a lie. It's going to be so painful. What if, and I'll tell you, this is true. That being able to grieve makes you the best doctor possible. It makes you the most empathetic mom possible. It makes you the best lawyer possible is to be able to be open to this grief. And you can find the truth in that. What I would offer is that your patients, your kids, your spouse, your family, your law clients, they're humans who grieve too. And if they're around another human whose access has access to their grief and processed it, you, you provide healing for them as well. You can totally grieve and be productive. Just ask yourself, why do I need to be productive all the time? All right, another tool, another concept I would offer is this concept of equal airtime. So if you're in the habit of saying, when is this grief going to be over? Here's an action item you can do is allow yourself to have time where you're going to grieve every day for as long as you need to. And then match that time, like count those minutes. Okay. There was 19 minutes. I was crying in my bed. Let me go organize my kitchen pantry for 19 minutes. You want to balance out this concept of equal airtime, balance out the grief with something else. I'm going to grieve for one hour before, to go to, before I go to work. And then I'm going to go to work. And for one hour, I'm just going to drill down on my to-do list. And the rest of the day, I'm going to let myself go in and out of grief as I need to. But this concept is showing our brain grief is okay. 
We can do multiple things at once. This hour we're grieving, this hour we're not. And that can help you in your rhythm. Helps you create for, if you're looking for balance, it's one way you can create some balance. Another tool to use if you're in this process of, I just feel like it's all consuming. It's very hard for me to open up to grief because I don't know how to go through that. The equal airtime is helpful because it puts an endpoint on, okay, we're going to sob for 25 minutes. And then for 25 minutes, we're going to go clean the garage. It puts, it helps you establish some other rhythms. Something else you can do is just be very focused on the present. So this might be like a counting exercise that I do. I'll sit down and I will just start counting things around me. I'll be like, okay, these are how many lights that are on. These are how many trees I see. I have five pins on my desk. I can see that I have two pairs of shoes by my feet, my slippers and my dress shoes. Cause I'm a ridiculous. <laughs> I see one blanket on the ground. There are two markers by my phone. So you just get your brain kind of busy in the moment. And it just helps you also in terms of getting your brain used to going in and out of grief. It's not that we're denying the grief or blocking the grief or avoiding the grief. Never, never, never. But it just allows our brain like some rest from the grief in moments. Uh, another common thought that kind of relates to all this that I'll get from clients is I just don't want to fall apart. I want to have my stuff together at all times. And the coaching work on here is to be at this place of, but what if life is a constant perpetual movement of falling apart and coming back together? The breaking down the falling apart allows for the next strongest version of you. And you can find truth in that when you look in the past and be like, okay, where have I seen this? I mean, for me, my first job, it was heartbreaking to leave it. It was so like everything around it was just, I thought I would be there forever. So when I left that job, it was very painful and I felt very broken down, but I needed to break down. I needed to break up all my thought errors and all my belief systems that weren't working so that I could build a bigger better, bolder life that was meant for me now, this next version. So what if it's okay to fall apart? What if you don't have to have your stuff together all the time? Because you totally don't. Well, who says you don't have your stuff together? Like if the natural way of humans is to love, to lose and to grieve, this might be you actually having it all together. But why do you need to have it all together? They're just questions to ask that we go through with coaching. All feelings are okay. None of them need to be solved. Processing emotion is something we did on episode 84 that you can go back to. And it really helps you like grief is a feeling. It's a temporary vibration in your body. It won't be with you forever. It has a gift for you and being with that feeling, especially uh, if you can drop the judgment and resistance to it can be the most beautiful experience of your life. It only takes a few seconds, 60 seconds, 30 seconds. Every, every time it feels very intense, you can just drop into your body and care for it. Love on it. If you have grief, you're nervous about it, or it feels like it just can't be broken up. Go get a therapist, a psychiatrist, a coach, and help you work through that. It's not a problem that needs to be fixed. It's just a temporary feeling that's going through your body where you can watch it with such love, such curiosity, such compassion. The more you'll find yourself, the more you'll have your wisdom from your highest self more you'll evolve into the person you're meant to be. Another common thought I've been hearing a lot is I just can't possibly stop thinking about dying. I just had a baby. I'm constantly thinking about it. 
or I just read the news about Buffalo. I'm constantly thinking about it, or just heard this news in CNN, or just lost a loved one. And if you're in this place, I'd say it's probably not true that you're constantly thinking about it. It's probably, you're having a lot of thoughts, but it's probably really not 24 seven. And your brain's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to keep you safe. And so when it thinks you're in danger, it's gonna be looking out for danger. Nothing is wrong with your brain. Something that came to me, and this is going to be a little bit controversial for sure, and you don't have to take it for sure, reject it if, it if it's not something that makes sense to you. But I heard this from Byron Katie, and it gave me such immediate peace and grace and so much love. I, it, it, I, it brought me to tears when I heard it. And it's because I'll say for me, I have like, it's been something that feels constant. I know it's not, but since I was a very small child, I was just so scared of dying. Not so much other people dying, but me dying. And it got to a point where I noticed it was interfering with living a little bit. because I just had so many thoughts about it. And when I heard this from Byron Katie, it really helped me with my own grief for loved ones in my life. And this thought, you know, this process I had of thinking about dying a lot. And it was Everyone dies right on time. And I could just find the truth in that. Like, maybe it's not how I would want it to be for someone. Maybe it's definitely not what I would want for anyone, but everyone dies right on time. We all have this curriculum. We all have this endpoint of being on the planet. There's a part of us who never wants anyone to die, which is going to make it so painful when it does. What if there's true? And you just do some work on that. What if? What if that's true? This was part of our curriculum to go through this particular pain. Because the problem, the alternative is going to be very painful. The alternative is if we focus on the dying all the time and we make that a problem, we are missing out on our life now. While we're on the planet, we're sort of dying right now. So what if we could just make it okay? Our brain, my brain sometimes thinks about dying more than others. Maybe, how do I know? I don't know. Maybe we're all thinking about it a little bit. Uh, who, do, who am I to say? I'll never really know. Well, if I can just like, once I learned how to not make it a problem, it really, and I kind of got to this place. Yes, for sure. I'm going to die someday and it will happen at the exact perfect time. It helped me live. It helped me open up to living to be like, okay, if I can be sure this is going to happen right on time. I can stop resisting it. And I can just open up to my life in the most amazing way, knowing it will happen when it's supposed to, and not one minute before that gave me so much freedom. So I offer it to you, if it gives you freedom, use it. If it doesn't, don't. And then see me in my coaching if you want to talk about it for more. Another common thought I get is, I just think I could have done something to prevent this. And if you're in this place, again, I would just say that's a normal human thought, right? Our human, our brains want to make sure we know all the answers that we want to blame ourselves, blame other people, because then it makes sense. With coaching is to get to a place though. What if no one needs to be blamed? Because when we blame ourselves and sometimes people, I'll have people, um, I'll give you an example of, I was working with someone who was a doctor who was working on, on an autopsy case of someone she'd never met. And her thought was, I could have done something to prevent this. Like, what if, what if I could have done? And it was, it was someone she'd never met. There was just no way to intercept it, but it's just what the human brain does. The human brain, when it senses something is wrong, it wants an explanation and it wants to blame people, even if it makes no sense. So we just want to have space for ourselves. It's part of the most beautiful part of you who wants to make things different 
And the answer with that is to allow space for it. Nose coming from a very generous, compassionate part of you. And it's also trying to fix a problem that isn't a problem. It doesn't have to be a problem. Humans die. Humans have grief. What we can do is make space for all of it. And notice when this client was saying, I could have done something about it. It had her feel terrified. And when she was terrified, she wasn't sleeping. She couldn't focus on her kids. She was making mistakes at work. So it was a, even though her brain was like, this is for sure hundred percent true. Look at the cost that it was having. And it had her missing out on life now in a way that she could have prevented it. So one option to go with is what if there was nothing you could have done? You've never met this person, or maybe this was a loved one who, who died. Maybe there was something that could have been done. It's so painful to be in that space. And when we're in that space, it's easy to consume our own time and energy. And it's easy to want to like deny that other person's path. What if their path was always going to be like this? What does it feel like to open up to maybe there was nothing I could do. Maybe this is the way of it. This was for them and it was for me. And now what, what do I want to do with this? Because as we know, life is not supposed to be hundred percent amazing bells and whistles all the time. Life is supposed to be 50, 50, 50% amazing, 50% painful. There's life and there's death. There's health and there's sickness. There's beauty and there's pain. That contrast is what life is about. We can't deny that other side of life unless we're willing to not have the 50% amazing. Like it all comes together. When we focus on the loss, sometimes we're going to miss what's precious and present for us right now. All right. The next part I want to do, I want to end up with is what to do if you're with someone who's grieving. And this again, Krista St. Germain's podcast, all of her work is so powerful. Don't go check it out. But I deal with this with this a lot in, in academics, when you have leaders who are dealing with distressed humans or parents who are dealing with distressed teenagers and how we, when we're not grieving, interact with other people who are grieving can do a lot of good. If you know a few tools, if you can have a, a little bit of understanding And if you've come to this work with grief is normal, people grieve when they love, they lose, they grieve all that's normal. You'll have a very different experience when someone comes up to you and starts crying at work to you. And this, what happened is there was, um, a leader who would, uh, yes, there was a leader who'd come to me. Like, I just, every time a worker comes to me crying, I just go into such a panic because I'm thinking They shouldn't be crying and they must have done something wrong. So if you have those thoughts and feelings, you'll notice you're probably going to try to make their crying a problem. You're going to feel very uncomfortable and you're going to try to fix it by getting them to stop crying. Because when you see them crying, you make it about you. You did something bad. So what we're going to do with grief as you're dealing with someone who's grieving is to kind of flip that whole story into humans cry because humans grieve and none of it's a problem. Now it doesn't mean we wash our hands and don't think of how to be better leaders. Of course, we want to do it from a place of first having compassion for the human in front of us who is grieving, who is crying. And we are going to best people to interact with them. If we can be in from a place, they are allowed to cry. This is what they need. This is how they're processing pain. This is about them and what they're going through. And all I have to do is show up and make space for it. All I have to do is be there without judgment. All I have to do is listen to them. 
Now, once the active grieving kind of is subsides, our highest self can start kicking in on how can I make this better? How can we work together to make the work environment better? How can we help these kids do their chores and get to bed on time and get their homework done? Then we can start working on making plans from the future. But when someone is actively grieving, we want to make that grief about them, what, which is going to be, it's not a problem. Humans grieve. Start there. There's no wrong way to grieve. When they come to you crying, your brain might be offering, they're crying too much. They're not crying enough. There's no wrong way to grieve. There's no rush. Everyone does grief differently. You might be like, why are they crying? And I'm not crying. Who's wrong here? Nobody's wrong. We're all going to do it differently. Remember Grief is temporary. They're going to come and cry for a minute and then they're going to go and do their work. And then they're going to go and get mad on the highway and rush hour. And they're going to be so excited to see their kids. They're going to go through a million feelings. Your brain's going to be like, oh no, they're going to be grieving for the rest of life. It's not true. Grieving their grief, like your grief is temporary. It's temporary for you. It's temporary for them. You're going to want to help them to feel better so that you don't feel worse. That's never helpful. Can you remember last time you cried and someone's like, calm down. That never works. It feels so much worse. And then we feel invisible. It just creates so much more negative emotion. Their grief is theirs. Do not take it from them. It's there for a reason. It's helpful for them. Remember life is 50, 50, half the emotions we feel are positive, half are negative. Do not take their negative emotions from them. It doesn't need to be cured. It doesn't need to be fixed. You didn't do anything wrong. It's not for us to take their feelings away. They need their feelings. Your job when they're grieving is to take care of your feelings by just telling yourself it's okay. All I have to do is be here and listen with an open heart. All I have to do is love this person. They're okay. This is not a problem. The more you can be okay with your feelings, the more you'll be okay with their feelings. You're going to want to do something. You're going to want to do something. Humans don't, humans humans for sure. The best of humans want everyone to feel okay all the time, right? You're going to want to do something and you're going to want to be, and you might be thinking, I can't possibly be functioning well if another human is hurting. And that's just not true. For example, I think the last time you were heartbroken, the world just kept on spinning, which is kind of a beautiful thing. You can get your job done. Someone can be hurting. You can be hurting and other people get their job done. It's okay. Feelings are just vibrations. The discomfort is okay. You're going to want, if you're dealing, if you're working with someone who's grieving, who just came in your office, they had a loss about something, you might want to check in with them every once in a while and see how they're doing and in a way that's not super aggressive and confrontational. Like I, I know I've been asked when I'm in periods of grieving, someone came up to me and was like, how are you doing? No, really. How are you doing? No, really. Don't just tell me fine. And it felt a little bit like an interrogation. And I'm not going to be telling you my feelings if I don't feel like it. Right? So you just do it in a gentle way. I love you. I'm here for you. I wanted to check in from our last conversation. What can you, and, and be open to them in that space. You may want to check in with them even after you think that they're okay. Sometimes people after they're like, where they're acutely grieving, you can tell their eyes look puffy. Um, they are a little distracted or, you know, you can, you can tell the active grieving process. 
they'll get better. And sometimes, I mean, they'll look, they're not looking like they're crying all the time anymore. Not that they'll look better, but they'll look different. They'll look like they were before the grieving process. And you might be thinking, oh, they're feeling just fine. They're back to normal. And I would recommend, this is what Chris of St. Germain recommends is checking on them anyways. It might be when they need you the most and checking them on in a way that is with love in your heart. How are you? How are you? I want to let you know I'm here for you. I love you. I'm thinking of you. Another thing Chris of St. Germain recommends is to check in with service over words. So instead of being like, and how are you today? And how was Christmas? And with words, just to like find ways to express love from a place of service. So that might look like sending them meals. It might look like, hey, just like, hi, I just want to check in with you. I'm thinking on you. I just sent you some meals there right at six. Or, hey, I just, I wanted to let you know, I'm my lawn service folks were just over. I told them to co-cut your yard at the same time. Or I'm sending over a box of fresh fruits and vegetables just to let you know I'm thinking about you. And sometimes that can just be so healing to let them know that there's someone thinking about them in a way where they don't have to say yes or no. So sometimes I know I, I was just talking to a friend who was grieving and I, at first I was like, can I send you something? And she was like, no. And then I finally sent, I'm sending over the meals. If you're home around five grade, if not, they're going to be in your backyard in a high schooler that I'm sending with you. So I just stopped asking permission because people who are actively grieving, sometimes they're not going to give you permission. They're not going to ask for help. They're not going to know how to ask for help. They're not going to feel up to it. And so we just give them acts of service over words and it can be so powerful for them. Don't wait for permission for them to say they want something. Don't look for a thank you. They might not be in the right place where they're able to access thank yous or what they want. Just send them what you think would provide them some comfort. You can avoid the phrase, let me know when you need something. Because it just, in, in my mind, in my experience of that, I felt burdened by that. I was like, okay, now here's one other thing I need to do. I need to take care of me. I need to do this. And I need to let them know. No, 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 no. So instead I've come to be like, I'm sending this over now. I love you. They're not going to be able to, they might not ask you. And so if you can just send them, you might have the, you might be able to send them so much peace and love through that act. Check in when you can. Again, I want to close with just saying, if you're going through grief, remember you're, it's totally normal. It's a sign that you've lived, you've loved. It's a beautiful thing. That connection of grief is a feeling that's temporary. That's there as long as it needs to be there. It's so powerful. It's so useful. If you can open up to it and use it to connect with yourself, it will heal you in the most beautiful ways. You ever have a inclination that you want help with it, have a very low threshold to find a psychiatrist, a therapist, a grief expert, a coach who can help you through this because there's nothing more important than our mental health. This is the work we do every day inside my lifetime at group coaching program. Group coaching really is the most special way to learn how to deal with grief in community being supported by a whole village of people who love you and support you to see other people go through grief and be able to exercise your support for them to be in a group with an expert who can help you move through it. So you don't get stuck in it. So it can be a beautiful process. Enroll now at Christina Arnold coaching. It's all one word.com.
or you can sign up for a free consult at the same website, christinaarnoldcoaching.com. On the consult, we'll chat about your specific situation. I'll customize a plan for you, show you the results you can expect inside the program and answer any questions with no pressure. So you have everything you need to make your next best decision. P.S. If you loved this most valuable played episode, I want you to know there's 133 more of them. We move them off the public facing website behind the client portal. So as soon as you enroll, you get access to all of them forever and ever. Enroll now at Christina Arnold Coaching, all one word.com. Remember you're right where you're supposed to be doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing, the exact right rate. And so is everyone else. Have a beautiful week. Bye.